Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Eleanor Risa. Eleanor is Brooklyn born and bred, a victim or beneficiary of the public school system from K through college, from which she graduated cum laude. In spite of that, or as she likes to say, because of it, she has had a life beyond her own imagination. She became a Tony-nominated director, a Broadway actress, a prize-winning playwright, and artistic director of the world's old Yiddish oldest, excuse me, Yiddish theater company, a soon-to-be-published author, a singer in every major venue in the world and in New York, including Carnegie Hall, Town Hall, and smaller venues like Joe's Pub and Michael Feinstein's 54 Below. Simply, she became a storyteller in English and Yiddish and is the daughter of her parents who lived through the Holocaust. Welcome, Eleanor. <laughs> Thanks so much, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, and I, before we get started, I just have to um, send you a very quick hello from all of us at the Yiddish Book Center who are so missing having you here at the center. And we can't wait to open the door to you. Yeah. Me too. Me too. It's It's been such a um, lovely home for me for I don't know how many years now, Lisa, but it feels like a lot. <laughs> um, and I can tell you that uh, I very much miss being up there and very much look forward oh. to coming back soon, please. Yes, 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 indeed, because there's always excitement when you are, as they say, in the house. <laughs> um, so to get started, and I've always been eager to have this conversation because I don't think we've ever been able to sit down and have a full conversation during Yidstock. So I wondered if you could just talk about your roots in Yiddish, both the language and culture. Um, my roots, I would have to say, stem from my family. Uh, I, uh, they were survivors and came to America in 1949, and they were kind of uh, the essence of Yiddish kite in that they were... Uh, Orthodox, religious, but not crazy religious. I, I, you know, you can do what you will with that. I just mean they were what we call in Yiddish Balabatish people. They were, um, they had, they believed in God. They believed in law. They believed in life, um, which means that even though they had a hellish time, uh, before they came to America, they appreciated and relished little things. And um, so, so my Yiddish was my first language, consequently, because they didn't speak much English at, when I was born. Um, I learned English like when I was four or five, but 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 I never learned to read properly. So I mean, intellectually, I suffer um, as a Yiddishist. Um, so that's that's something I struggle with and uh, and work on. I'm in a little uh, Yiddish reading group now that uh, is getting my Yiddish reading better. Everything usually has to be transliterated for me into Latin letters. Um, but so Yiddishkeit and Yiddish, it, it, it's really all from them, uh, and my interest in the culture, really, I wanted to be an actress uh, in English, and found myself 
one day looking at in this uh, employment magazine called Backstage, where where they were looking for a chorus girl for a Yiddish musical at Town Hall called Rivka Lidem Rebms, Rebecca the Rabbi's Daughter. And so I auditioned for that. And that was kind of the beginning of my Yiddish cultural work. So um, I wonder if you can look back to that and, you know, sort of what's changed and could you have imagined where that would take you? Yeah, that's, that's really a great question. What's changed? I mean, uh, from my point of view at that time, Yiddish was quite marginal. I mean, it wasn't like now, like hip, which it is now and growing, frankly, it was diminishing. And it was a culture at that time of the older people and I mean the artists, I'm, 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 I'm kind of talking about the artists who were not young like they are now. There was not like, you know, Yiddish New York, the Yiddish Book Center, the Yiddish this, the Yiddish that. It was really a time of assimilation and Yiddish as a secret language. And, and I remember at that time, I went, you know, we played Town Hall, that, that, that show, and, and I worked for that company uh, for a few seasons after. We played for 12 weeks in an 1,100-seat theater. I mean, wow. it, 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 but, but it was filled with groups. It was filled with synagogue groups, <clears throat> and um, it, that's who came uh, by the busload. And I remember going to an agent and I said, listen, hey, I'm in this show. I'm in this show at Town Hall called Rivka Lidem Rebms or whatever one it was. And he said, is that in Yiddish? And I said, yes. And he said, don't tell anybody. Don't don't tell anybody because you're going to you'll never in a way you'll never work again outside of that. And um you know, it was like my waiting tables job that I was embarrassed. Look, I mean, and, and part of that has to do with me uh, in general, you know, not wanting to be a Grina, mm -hmm. you know, wanting to be an American and not to be a refugee, uh, wanting to be, you know, tall and blonde and, and, and uber white instead of uh, at that time, a green and uh so it's really different than now and the play the work so so on many levels so the artists were fantastic and knew their craft inside and out um they were funny as all heck and talent shockingly talented and in a way and marginalized um but uh and and the plays themselves were not particularly um these were uh, music they were melodramas they were musical comedies light fair um 
I am not fortunately or unfortunately old enough to have been around with, with Second Avenue when they were doing Yiddish Shakespeare or the Yiddish King Lear or whatever uh, historical works. This was later. This was the beginning, in a way, the beginning of the end that didn't end but was resurrected into the current uh, scene. So Eleanor, this kind of um, is a nice segue to a question I've been wanting to ask you, um, which is, you know, I watched The Plot Against America um, and was thrilled to see you in there. Uh, took me a minute or two to recognize you. <laughs> Thank you. And, um, and, you know, I don't know if this is unique to me, but I was really intrigued by your role. It, it, it I don't think, I think it's okay to say it wasn't a huge, a huge role in terms of the way Roth wrote it into into the work. But for me, it was a really interesting and much needed role. And maybe I'm reading this wrong, but I felt it that it was the sort of bridge between generations. Uh, and in a way, it provided some context to assimilation. I wonder what your thoughts were about well, that. I mean, I think you're exactly, I think you're exactly right that she, it was a small role, but it was important. And she, she did bridge the gap. She, that character, the, the, the mother of the daughters was not in the book at all. Um, she oh. was dead by that time. It was the father's mother that was in the book minimally, but, um, but I guess David Simon, who wrote this adaptation, uh, wanted that piece of Yiddishkeit in there. This is where they came from. Um, and uh, I, I think you're absolutely right in that she was a bridge to the past and, and, and showed that they were a minute away from being refugees, that they themselves had come to America recently that they were immigrants uh, and on their way to becoming or trying to become American. And, and I was so intrigued because I thought, I mean, the role for you, as you know, as you were talking earlier about your, your childhood and your entry into acting and such um, really kind of speaks to the whole idea of that role. And even, and again, I hope I'm not reading too much into this, but you sat on the periphery of many scenes. Um, you were there in their world, you know, sitting by the window, yeah, um, looking between um, the inside, the interior, and the exterior in a posture. I just found it fascinating. Um, you're like one of. It reminded me of sort of of the Greek um, tragedies where the sirens come out and speak to you on stage a little bit. Yeah, That's so nice. I mean. It, 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 it was simpler for me, um, but because uh, I, I, I didn't, you know, you don't know what it's going to look like, Lisa, right? I, I don't know what, even though I'm sitting by the window and looking out, I don't know what they're going to use or how it looks mm -hmm. or it's so outside of um, uh, my control area and mm -hmm. all I can do really she 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 was you know losing it a bit this woman right right and looking back and um 
you know, there was a copy, I think, of the foreword mm -hmm. uh, on the table. And uh, I just, I mean, I thought about my grandmother and her knees that always hurt her. <laughs> now my knees hurt me, which is kind of horrifying. But um, yeah, I, I think I, I, I have nothing really valuable to contribute to that um, except except your observations are, I think, spot on. Elna, your work is, <laughs> touches broadly um, on many fronts. You, you know, you're a singer, actor, director, translator. How does this all thread together for you? You know, I'm, I ask myself that all the time. Um, and especially now during this, this past year, during this pandemic, you know, 2019 was, and 2018, 2019 were the greatest, uh, I had the, the most work I've ever had in my life and the most broadly diverse work from HBO to a film to Carnegie Hall that I, uh, that Seth Rugavoy and I put together for their immigration series. And um, I wrote this book and I, I mean, I, it, it what my, my own comment, you know, if you'd have interviewed me in 2019, I would have said to you, you know, finally I'm done shoveling coal into the engine and the train is running by itself. I mean that all of my effort and all of my pushing and developing had finally led to a place where my work kind of spoke for itself and people called and I was hired to do this and this and this. And then 2020 happened and it stopped dead in its tracks. And the question was, well, yes, who, who am I? I mean, do I do and did I ever do anything? Do I know how to do anything? Can you know? I mean, it just it kind of the whole thing went into a, a, a kind of reverse gear, and and the engine stalled, and um, it was really, you know, I did do a few concerts, uh, you know, virtual. Frank and I, Frank London and I, my 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 very a beloved, often musical partner. We we did uh, some work up on a roof, and we did uh, songs of uh, freedom and resistance, uh, socially distanced in a little park on East Third Street one sunny day. Um, and I did a, a, a little concert in my house, socially distanced with Zalman Lutek, another musical partner, and. Uh, uh, but holy mackerel. Um, so, <laughs> so, so how it's been before, like, if we talk about the before time, mm -hmm. I would say, like it says in my bio that I didn't really, my life and my creative work, uh, didn't it was more than I dreamed. And if you say, well, what does it have in common or where did it come from or what I would say, 
uh, humbly and not meaning anything more than I feel like it's like I'm a tree a little bit and all of these things are my, if my family is the trunk of my tree they uh they gave me these branches that made me want to say things including the time you know i mean so to have gone to college in the 70s and to have experienced the end of vietnam the beginning of uh, the modern women's movement, the beginning uh, or the uh, continuation of all these movements, including civil rights and, um, uh, you know, the Planned Parenthood. I mean, Planned Parenthood, for example, was was so important. Uh, and what, you know, what does it have to do with being a Holocaust survivor's daughter? And what did what 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 does watergate have to do with that and it, it, so in a way i i see the world and a, a, as the daughter of holocaust survivors and i but i live in the modern world of rock and roll and uh and 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 that world of you know drug sex rock and roll um in Yiddish, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of how I grew up, but with the coat of Yiddishkeit that uh, enriched the whole thing and skewed, you know, it is a way, it, it's a way of looking through a kind of prism that you can't shake. It's not really voluntary. Somebody once said to me, well, what if you took that out of the equation of who you are? What if you, what if you, what if you took the Holocaust out? <laughs> and I was like, well, uh, uh, I can't. I, <laughs> I, I don't really know who I would be. I mean, I don't really know who I would be. Um, so the wake of that, and and listen, I mean, I've been struggling with it, working with it, needing it with a K. N-E-A-D-E-D, -E -D, needing it, and probably also just with the N-E-E-D-E-D, -E -D, needing it. Uh, it. It's been, so, I'm, um, I don't know if I've answered, if I'm answering your question, but, but I, and also, it's also, you know, now they call it a hyphenate. Now they call people a hyphenate. She's a writer, director, uh, producer, but but I must say that when I was coming up in this world and in this business, I began as directing, then I was singing, then it was English, then it was Yiddish, and it's like, well, who are you? Said the world, said the business world too. We don't know what to do with you, and and it was it was a, a difficulty. I didn't know what to do either. Should I? not act anymore if I'm directing is Yiddish good bad what you know what will further my career as though career is different from life um what will make me more known what will make me more successful what will make me more important and so now at as the window closes you know it's not opening my, the window of my own career and my own life 
Um, I, and, and after this pandemic or, you know, what is important and what am I, but, but what I am is a hyphenate. <laughs> um, it's a funny concept, the idea of a hyphenate, because in hearing you talk about your work and, and, and knowing your work and all of these sort of different disciplines, it, it feels as though, and you refer to yourself as a, you know, storyteller in English and Yiddish, um, very, you know, simply put, you use all of these different tools, options, what, you know, to actualize what it is you want to convey in the way of a story. And I think that that's, and you do it brilliantly in each of these endeavors. So I, I, it feels as though, well, maybe, yeah, maybe a hyphen it works, um, but- No, but I mean, you know, it's just recently that I have understood that I'm a storyteller, that that's what I am. Hello, Eleanor, you are a storyteller. You're, you're, you do it when you act, you do it when, you know, that's mm -hmm. what you, that's my title. That's the type that, what do you do for a living? That's what I do. But uh, I didn't really know that. And uh, there's so much I didn't know. You know, I mean, I was just, it was, you know, I didn't go, I didn't get my master's. I didn't go to conservatory. I didn't, you know, it was all pretty much right foot, left foot, you know, taking us and, and scratching my way up the wall, uh, you know, fingernails bleeding and just, just without really knowing what I was doing, just sort of instinctually walking. Um, and it's kind of amazing 40, you know, it's kind of, Lisa, it's, you know, 40 years mm -hmm. later. Um, oh, 40 years later, like, wow. So Eleanor, I'm curious to ask you a question. You, you talk about being a storyteller in both English and Yiddish. You, you mentioned your um, parents who lived through the Holocaust. And I, I'm curious to know how you sort of see all of this playing out as a thread because, you know, we at the Yiddish Book Center, our, our work really is to um, sort of mine and explore, rescue, the culture that came before the Holocaust, and then as we say, regenerate it. And I think you are so much a part of that regeneration, which brings back the culture, not in necessarily in a nostalgic way, but giving it continuity. Uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about that and how that kind of manifests itself in all of the work you're doing across various and sundry aspects, uh, you know, as a singer, actor, director, translator. Uh, you know, it's so deep your question, and 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 has such resonance from decade. You know, I mean, if you if you thought about the book center and when Aaron began it, if he could have pictured forty years down the, you know, he running around in a station wagon or a car picking up boxes of of garbage books that people have thrown away because their parents died or their grandparents died and and he just went everywhere. I mean I don't I imagine he did it in a kind of instinctual way. I I don't know that he thought to himself, I will be a a beacon 
onto the Yiddish culture. I think he just thought, I don't, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I, I just don't want these things to die. I, you can't throw this away. You can't throw these lives, these writers, these words away. And I kind of feel the same way. And it had to do, I think, for me initially with my family who led unextraordinary lives in a time of of horrible misfortune to be born at such a time and yet they lived through this time and they imbued me with by you know for better and for worse as i say i mean i can get pretty dark and my sense of humor is dark and my work can be dark. And, and sometimes, Lisa, believe it or not, people are not interested uh, or don't want something quite so dark, but they also uh, gave me light and, and the contrast, of course, between shadow and light and the, is, and it, it, the, like almonds and raisins, the Jewish uh, the Yiddish song is sort of how it feels to me. You know, it's hard like a bitter nut and sweet and soft like a raisin. And you mix it together and it's kind of delicious, but it's not simple. Mm -hmm. um, and so it turned, you know, I, I, I didn't mean it. You know, I didn't mean to be where I am. I, I didn't, it wasn't like a quest. Some people have, ha, have, have structured their lives and their careers on a quest to preserve, to, to do good for humankind. I, I, I didn't really mean that. I, re, I really meant to kind of give back to my family and to, uh, they, I just didn't want to let go of them, you know, now that I think about really a way for me in keeping this culture alive, I get to keep them alive. Um, yeah, so I think that's, yeah. that's um, very well put, Eleanor. Um, and we love the whole combination of your work light, dark, and in between. Um, and also the, yeah, the analogy to the almonds and raisins. So um, all of this, needless to say, is keeping you busy, um, even in the, you know, the past year. So I'm happy to announce that for those who don't know it, we are having our virtual Yitzdok 2021, since we can't have it on site and can't have you there on stage, as is the norm, Eleanor. Um, and it's on July 11th. More about that later. But that in addition to that, I think you've got some other upcoming performances. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. But make no mistake how grateful I am uh, to you and Susan and Aaron and Seth Rugavoy for keeping me in the uh, Yiddish Book Center's family, which I cherish enormously. Um, so, but upcoming is a. Uh, 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 Yom HaShoah coming up on the, I think, 6th and 7th, no, 7th 
and 8th of April, um, the Yiddishkeit Initiative is going to be kind of on the 7th. It's sort of Eleanor Risa's play day. So um, what my there's a one-man play that I wrote in 1995 called The Last One, an epilogue. And that will be uh, Zoomed. Uh, Avi Hoffman is uh, playing the solo role in that. And it's fairly prescient. And then after that, at seven, a play that I wrote called The Last Survivor um, is going to be uh, aired. And both of those will be on for four days after. And that's the Yiddishkeit Initiative, which you can find on Facebook or um, uh, YouTube. And also, I, 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 I am the host of, of those who are their voices from the Holocaust. Uh, and we're just finishing up our second season. That's a, a really inspiring podcast. And um, the third Seder, I'm singing a song on that. That's coming up for Pesach. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm writing this. I'm writing. That's that's that, that. But that's it. That's that, those, are the <laughs> those are the specific things. I'm taking piano lessons. Ooh. Yeah, as my mother would say, that's all that's missing from your life. <laughs> Were it so easy and yeah. only we knew. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it, it, that's a lot. That's a lot going on in a short amount of time, my friend. Um, and I have to say that it, you know, the benefit of all of this virtual is I can finally see um, your plays, which I've, you know, never been able to travel to get oh, to. That that'll that'll be great. Uh, 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 yes, that I, I, I that would be wonderful, Lisa. I hope you get to to see them. Yeah. And. Um, Oh, what the heck? Why not say, um, I think you are going to be doing a radio cast for us here at the Yiddish Book Center. So listeners, um, we'll keep you posted on that as well. Yay, yay. I love that too. Well, um, from my my home in the in the hill towns and country to you, uh, also in the far reaches, um, thank you so much for hopping on a call and joining me today, Eleanor. It's always a great, great and wonderful thing to have a chance to visit with you. And uh, from all of us, you know, we can't wait to open the door to the center and have you walk back through it. Me too. Me too. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. My best to everyone. Okay. Thanks, Eleanor. Thank you. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. This episode is produced by me, Alexa Sewing. And until next time, be well and be healthy.